Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care, and with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey folks, another busy week to make sense of. Bob Mueller is set to publicly testify on Wednesday about his investigation into Russian election interference and President Trump's obstruction efforts. Newly unsealed documents in SDNY's hush money investigation into Michael Cohen implicate the president in violating campaign finance laws, and Jeffrey Epstein was denied bail. I talk about all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, former New Jersey Attorney General Ann Milgram joins me to break down the news and make sense of what's happening. Today, we are unsealing a clip from the most recent episode in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, become a member at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. Among reasonable options of ending or continuing, Bob Mueller made a decision to end. My guess is it's because he kind of wanted to be done with it and wanted to be seen to be done with it way in advance of an election. Uh, knowing that there was a lot of public criticism of of how long things were taking, even though you and I know that they take a period of time. And he just wanted to sort of farm these other cases out, the 12 or 14 of them, and be done with it. It is an interesting question of like, how did you know when you were done? Like, what was your goalpost? What was the goalpost you had to cross? And I think he should answer that question. I mean, some questions about the methodology of the investigation, that's not grand jury material. That's not really deliberative process stuff. You're asking a prosecutor in a way that you and I might explain. You're asking a prosecutor in the wake of a lot of confusion, a lot of polarization, for a reasonable answer. You know, why did you end it then? And and part of what I think this hearing should address and what will hopefully dispel is a lot of myths about why he did what he did and why he did what gets me to the third category in a second. But I, I want to pause on one, this one thing. The likelihood that Mueller will answer simple questions that if phrased in a uh, straightforward manner are actually devastating to the president, right? So one way we phrased it earlier was when the president says that the report exonerated him uh, with respect to obstruction, is that a correct statement? Jim Comey and others have suggested another simple question, uh, and it's this. Did you find substantial evidence that the president had committed obstruction of justice crimes? That's a good question. It's a great question. Because the answer to that, based on the report, is yes. Right, I agree. Is Bob Mueller going to say yes? Well, if Bob Mueller doesn't say yes, what a good congressman who's well prepared for the hearing would do would be to pick one example like we did with Don McGahn, but you could use the KT McFarland example. You could use Corey Lewandowski. There are a couple of different instances that are 
if you go through the obstruction part of the report, there are, Mueller has done the analysis of the three prongs that are necessary elements of the crime of obstruction of justice. And if Mueller does not answer that question, and by the way, I thought Comey was very wise in saying substantial evidence and not sufficient evidence, which is more of a term of legal art. So substantial evidence, meaning a lot of evidence, like did you find that there was evidence of these crimes, whether or not you made the ultimate decision that it was beyond a reasonable doubt or the probable cause standard. Yeah. So he's it's not, not binary. Exactly. The, the fact that there's no charge doesn't mean that there was not substantial evidence. You, and the great you thing have about, a lot of evidence. Right. And the great thing about substantial is that it's not a legal term. So you're not yeah. making Mueller say, as you and I said before, I don't think Mueller will ultimately say, yes, if I were able to charge, I would have charged. I think Mueller will say, look, I, I, I did not make that decision because I wasn't allowed, right? And so what I would do is if you get to the point where Mueller says, does not say, yes, I found substantial evidence, I would literally go line by line as to the three elements of the crime in one or two of the obstruction counts, right? What, what would be obstruction what, counts? You would have him recite something and you would say, uh, Mr. Mueller, is that evidence of obstruction of justice crimes? Yes. And there you're not even saying substantial. You're just doing one by one. You're saying, and of course... Each of those instances, whether there's a defense to them or whether they overall... Should they just do that with the... So out of the sort of 10 obstruction um, instances that were investigated, there's at least four or five that I think there's there's a considerable amount of evidence Mm -hmm. for them. There's an argument that they should, to five congressmen, one takes one, another takes another, and they go through this methodically because at the end of the day, there's also one place in the report on one of the obstruction incidents where they say there was, we couldn't get evidence of this prong. And so when there is no evidence, they make that call that there is no evidence. And so to the extent that they don't do that in the other sections suggests that there was evidence. And so I don't, I don't think Mueller can squirm out of this if you ask the questions in the way you just did. Nor do I think he wants to necessarily. That made it seem like I think Mueller's trying to squirm out of it. No, I think, what I think he's trying to avoid is being used, the phrase I keep using, as a pawn or a pinata, right? That to the extent people are trying to drive a wedge between Bill Barr and Bob Mueller or trying to get Bob Mueller to say things that Democrats can use in commercials Completely. as opposed to in a legitimate inquiry or impeachment proceeding. Bob Mueller wants no part of that. Completely. He doesn't want to have his phraseology turned against the president in any way other than what the legitimate investigation found. So to the extent they can stay away from provocative verbs. The better they'll right. do. I mean, I you know, agree. isn't it true that Bill Barr lied about the Your report? Terrible question. Terrible question. Someone will ask it. Someone, someone is, someone is going to ask a version of the question, is Bill Barr the devil? Right. <laughs> and he's not going to answer it. He's not, yes. Um, so I think people need to be very careful in that regard. The final category. Can I just say, I, I keep thinking about this as like, it's a ping pong match and Robert Mueller is the ball. And you never want to be the ball in a ping pong match. You don't. You don't. Or the pinata. Do you want to be the net? What do you want to be? I guess you want to be one of the players. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or the ref. <laughs> are there refs in ping pong? I guess there are. There uh, maybe. Compa- I don't know. I used, to, I used to be pretty we've, good We've gone tennis. to the extent of my um, table <laughs> tennis knowledge. So then the, the third category, and obviously we talked about many categories, but in my head, that I think is really important and that I'm uh, hoping and expecting Bob Mueller to get tough questions on, which may surprise some people, are the criticisms from the Republicans. And I think that's really important. Why is it that you hired so many people? who gave contributions to Democrats. Why is it that you think that the investigation could be viewed as fair when Peter Strzok, the FBI agent, was involved and had this relationship and was sending texts about an insurance policy? Because you know what? People deserve answers to that. And what they've gotten is, again, punditry from a lot of other folks and third-party defenses. 
I think it's important to hear Bob Mueller take those questions and look members of Congress in the eye and explain why he had a good team, explain why they did things with integrity, explain why he acted the way he did and removed Peter Strzok and if he thought that was timely enough and why the rest of what was found in the investigation remains valid and legitimate and honorable and say it forthrightly. Yeah. I think it's probably been a point of pain for some of the members of the prosecution team on the, in the special counsel's office that you have all this unanswered invective by the people who were being investigated, the president and others, without the principal, Bob Mueller answering them. And, you know, the other aspect of all this is, you know, you and I know Bob Mueller. I know him personally for a long time. Our friend Lisa Monaco, who's sometimes on the show, on the Stay Tuned show, was his chief of staff. People have successfully caused Bob Mueller to have horns. Yeah. They think he's the devil, yeah. right? Yeah. And sometimes it's the case that you put a person who we know to be reasonable and full of integrity in front of cameras and people can see for themselves. Right. This is not a guy with horns. This is not a guy with a vendetta. This is not a guy with a, with a prejudgment about where the evidence would lead. This is a guy who actually bent over backwards to be fair to the president and fair to the office of the presidency. And one of the most important things that can happen from my perspective is that Bob Mueller just gets out there, is just himself. And a lot of people who have doubts about how he went about this should have those doubts lifted. I agree completely. And, and I think he will get asked those questions. The president was tweeting earlier about conflicted Robert Mueller. He's always said Mueller has a conflict. I personally would like Mueller to go out and talk about what the conflict was, how that was dealt with. I don't think there was a conflict, but I think when you don't answer these questions, to your point, it does look like there's something there. What it really is, is Mueller being a lawyer who's not divulging client-sensitive information probably, but there's an argument, and I'm with you on this, that he should go in and answer all that. I do think also that... There's a distinction in my mind, and I think he, he will be asked about all these things, and I feel the same way you do, which is like he should just embrace it and answer honestly because he is one of the most reasonable and fair people that I think either of us know or have worked with. And even where I haven't agreed with him, I have very much valued his integrity and his process, and I think that's critically important. The one piece I will tell you that still makes me cringe a little is – not the angry Democrat stuff and the campaign contributions. And I think Mueller will basically say, look, I hired, I'd worked with these people. I hired the best lawyers I could. And that's what's most important to me is everybody has a right to contribute money or be involved in campaigns, but they can't bring that to work, period. And I, I knew and had worked with these folks and didn't see any issues with them. But the Lisa Page, um, Peter Straw's piece, I think is when I saw that news, I had that feeling in my stomach, like poor Mueller, right? And the reason why is that I'm sure he didn't know about it. And that's one of the questions he should be asked is, you know, when did you find out about it? What was your reaction to that? And it's pretty clear that the minute he found out about it, he terminated them from the special counsel team. But it's still painful because I'm sure he didn't know. And I'm sure he walked right into it. And yeah. those are the kind he of... Explain, un- he should just explain yeah. all that. Look, we've talked about this before. And for people who don't follow deeply criminal law, they may not appreciate. There are cases that happen all the time. Guy kills somebody. And there's a lot of evidence that he committed the homicide. And there are six agents working the case and four prosecutors working the case. And one agent does something bad. One agent, you know, writes a bad report or one agent, it turns out, had a prior beef. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and become a member. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. Before we end, uh, sad news last night. 
um, Robert Morgenthau, uh, the longest serving uh, U.S. attorney of the Southern District of New York in recent times, and the very, very long serving Manhattan District Attorney, passed away just shy of his 100th birthday. In fact, I was supposed to go to a, uh, to a private birthday party at the Southern District, uh, I think in a week or two, for all the former U.S. attorneys and him, which had been canceled last week, which made me worry that maybe something was going uh, poorly for Mr. Morgenthau. And you were hired by yeah. Bob Morgenthau, weren't you? Yeah, Mr. Morgenthau hired me. I started in the Manhattan DA's office in 1997. Um, he was the last round interview for, there were sort of four or five rounds to get a job in the Manhattan DA's office, and he was the last round. And he was an extraordinary human being from the moment you met him, even in that interview, he would look at your resume pretty much cold. And he he just, he was just a wealth of information about everything in the world. He knew professors I'd had. He knew the judge I'd clerked for, um, Judge Thompson, of course, who's been on our show. But he was really interested in in getting to know you and understanding why you wanted to be in the office. And for my time in the office, we we called him the boss. Um, he was known as Mr. Morenthauer, the boss. I, I, I learned so much from him as a prosecutor, and I consider him to be a great man of integrity and, and fairness. And so, you know, it was... It's a big loss. It's a big loss. He, um... He's, he's also like of a different, as we talk about such a politicized world, yeah. he's also just someone who is able to navigate in the world in such a fair and honorable way that it is a big loss for our profession and, also, and the world and also, and also humble. I mean, when asked about his success in his career, he would always have this line, right? The alliterative, which had some alliteration. He's like, you know, luck and longevity. Yeah. <laughs> you can go far with luck and longevity. Yeah. He was very kind and generous to me, which is not always the case between the DA and the U.S. attorney. We actually overlapped. Briefly, uh, he was retiring at the end of 2009, and I took office in August of 2009. Right after I became U.S. attorney, we went to lunch at a famous place that's sort of between SDNY and the Manhattan DA's office called Forlini's. Oh, it's a great Italian restaurant. Yeah, and every scene in Law & Order is uh, set there. And we sat, we sat in a yeah. booth, and it's me, and I'm 40. He had his a, booth. I've just become, yeah, yeah and, and he's ordering, and obviously he didn't need to look at a menu. Uh, and he's giving me the benefit of his wisdom and some advice to the, to the kid, the punk, who's <laughs> now on the block. And if I weren't intimidated enough, I look over and you see that it's his booth yeah. in the sense that it's actually marked territory. It's really his There's booth. There's a plaque yeah. Yeah. on the booth. And I'm like, maybe one day I'll have a post-it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a booth. Uh, and that would be great. So he, he, was, he was a generous person. A wonderful person, human being. A yeah. modest person who cared about fairness. Uh, and no one's perfect. Um, did a lot of great things uh, yeah. and served his country both in the military uh, and in his roles as prosecutors in the federal system and the local system. Rest in peace, Robert Morgenthau. Yeah, amen. All right, so Anne, I'll, I'll see you a whole bunch this week. I know, in D.C. We're going to take this show on the road. We're take the show on the road. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's show, which was mere preview. And just a reminder, special episode of Stay Tuned, Anne Milgram and I breaking down the Mueller testimony. Yes. And on top of that, there'll be a special bonus for Cafe Insiders. 